Paul Poteet, and Tom Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, from Studio B. Start, start, start your engine. Ladies and gentlemen, from Paul Paul Poteet.com. Start your engine. Here's Paul. What the, you know, if I'm Mary Holman George, which I'm not, but if I were Mary Holman George, I think uh, I would gather all the lawyers. I would, you know, have the Avengers lawyers team assemble on Tuesday and say, ladies and gentlemen, start changing the wills. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I, I think, judging by the local news, not that I read it or watch it or enjoy it. But I, they're saying that's a, Nancy, the daughter, Nancy George. Well, for, I've read various accounts online that's either her daughter or her granddaughter. It look, it would seem like it would be daughter. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Nancy. But I, I, and I'm also pretty sure that that was probably a huge mistake within the, uh, the George family dynamic. <laughs> Which is a curious dynamic, I'll give you, to begin with. It's... They're the, they're the Kennedys of corn. <laughs> I understand that just to smooth things over, next year, Straight No Chaser is going to sing the command to the drivers. <laughs> Look, and by the way, those guys are very talented. Um, you, can, you can tell that they're, there's any other song that they could sing would probably be amazing, but, but there's something about the harmonies and the echoes and the, you know, the whatever that 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 sort of extra sweetness it was almost saccharine sweet <laughs> i miss the, just the good old baritone sounds of everybody's favorite gay man <laughs> so you say it was very unfair for them to go from jim neighbors to a group with the word straight so prominently in their name <laughs> i mean that that does seem I, very cutting to jim I, I hadn't put that together. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I thought I thought it sounded fine too. I mean, I mean, let's face it. In uh, on the uh, timeline of Squaresville, I mean, is it really that far from Jim Neighbors to uh, Straight No Chaser? It's a more contemporary Squaresville, I guess. But I did. I didn't think it was certainly a wild choice from by the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But then, yeah, I get online and it's oh, you would have thought that Ozzy Osbourne had had sung Back Home Again in Indiana. I mean, come on, fellow Hoosiers, it's a change. <laughs> No, no, Paul, Paul, you're missing it. You're missing the, I, that's the moment. That is the, every year. I mean, I was at work yesterday when the race was on, and I made sure that even though I was supposed to be talking on the air at that moment, that I had it in queue, and I could hear, I was talking, and I could still hear it. So I finish it up, I finish talking just as they start to sing, and I sat there. And that's the moment where I usually well up, you know, not necessarily cry the same way I would at, like, say, Young and the Restless or, you know, something important to me, mm-hmm. but well up. And there was a noticeable lack of emotion there. <laughs> Straight No Chaser did not affect me the way uh, Big Gay Jim used to, you know, <laughs> I mean, well, what is the speedway? What is the speedway supposed to do when you have you know an eighty whatever he is, some year old uh, 
person in tow. I mean, they, he's got, he's tired. Okay, oh, that's fine. That's fine. But go find a Melon Camp or a Mike Rowe. I mean, this this Mike Rowe keeps getting brought up over and over again, right? Mr. Mike Dirty Rowe. Jobs. You mean the Dirty Jobs guy? Yeah, apparently he is a classically trained singer. <laughs> and perfect. Yeah, right. I mean, he it's 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 just blue collar enough for Indiana. It's just you know, I mean. <laughs> Had you gone back 30 or 40 years and say, hey, by the way, at the 500 this year, Gomer Pyle is going to sing, you would be like, wait, 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 wait a second. This, and I, I feel like you get kind of the same mojo from, oh, by the way, the guy from the Bounty Paper Cows commercials is going to sing back home again in Indiana. You know, but he's a classically trained singer, just like Jim Neighbors. You know, it's just off the wall enough. And plus, his career's really not at its apex. So he could come back year after year after year and make this sort of his second life, the same way that Jim Neighbors did. Now, wait a minute. Are we still talking about Mike Rowe? Not at his apex? Well, I mean, he's, mean, he's, he's still a busy guy. Sure. I mean, but Dirty Jobs was a few years ago, and he hasn't had many clean jobs since, right? I mean, nothing that's too prominent. He's he's still in the spotlight, but it's not kind of. I think we're probably seeing. How do we know he's an, last? How do we know, you know he's seven an, and a half minutes of micro? How do we know that he's an operatic singer? I didn't realize this. Well, I know because I'm on the IndyCar forums with all the other. Midnicks that are constantly analyzing and breaking down every little bit of minutia. You IndyCar. tell them that the overnights were point a tenth of a point higher this year than last year. Jim Neighbors' breath, and that's the other thing too. It's like we're stuck at like this this four point one or four point two. I mean, we're not growing. We're still not growing, even despite the fact that. Angie's List has sponsored some sort of road race a month before the actual 500. I, you know, I went on record as saying that was blasphemy, and I'm still there, Paul. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem right, and it's not generating any new interest whatsoever. The crowd was down for that this year, and yeah, I find it is a bit confusing, and it's almost like a seems like a uh, a jury rigged way to make it. So seem like three four weekends again you know like it used to be but it's unwieldy yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where you can see the strings and when you can see the strings you don't necessarily enjoy the puppet show as much so why don't we just be honest with ourselves and say okay this event doesn't support a month of build-up anymore but it does support a week or two, and Carb Day is pretty big. You don't have to, you know, you get a pretty good crowd for that regardless. That's huge. It's not competition's yeah. great. You know, the uh, Indy Lights put on a great show that day. Carb Day is gold. So let's just sort of live off of Carb Day and, I don't know. Plus, you, 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 to- you tear up the, uh, the infield of the track, switch all the stuff around, and what do you have still? I don't know. It's still a mediocre road course, and well, you tear it, up the track. Polar. You tear up the track, and a lot of people, I think, are still uh, peeved 
that, you know, you took away parking, you know, you took away, you know, you sort of changed the character that way, too. But I don't know. Look, big IndyCar fan. I want him to succeed. Tom, what was what was what was the attendance yesterday? I want to compare you with Kurt Cabin from IndyStar. He said, uh, I think about two twenty, two hundred twenty thousand. I mean, that, that sounds about right. I mean, there were, I noticed a lot more uh, aluminum on the, uh, on the helicopter shot. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can, yeah, you can see that, especially what, what would that be down around between three and four there? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, I saw, I saw more aluminum in turn two than I've ever seen before. That's for sure. Um, but that being said, once again, uh, the grand old lady put on one heck of a race. I mean, well, that's the that's kind of the that's the ironic part. The last several races are what people say they want, right? Lots of passing, lots of movement, and whatever they're doing right now, it's right. The cars may be ugly. They got these big things on the back end of them uh, to help prevent crashes and wheels, you know, driving up over top of people and launching the cars into the air. Those <laughs> things are ugly, but. Yeah, I guess they serve a purpose. But <laughs> you don't a, think a pole a pole was cast over the speedway like Indy Star said a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, no. And look, by the way, tons of crashes during the race. Nobody nobody went airborne. In fact, Tony Kanon crashed out of the race. And what did he say? He's like, "There you go. Look, we don't always go airborne when we crash." <laughs> you know? I loved what he said the other day after all of the uh, hullabaloo about the crashes. I mean, uh, pretty much. Yeah, guess, guess what? People, dangerous. People have been crashing for a hundred years here. Have you ever looked at the list? <laughs> people, Google the list of deaths at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's like, what is it? If you put them all together for all the different reasons, probably over a hundred people have died out there. Yeah, I mean, if you if you count the guy like who's in a diabetic coma in the sun too, you know. Those, hey, come on! Got- uh, there's a driver now. <laughs> Diabetic. <laughs> That's not allowed anymore. There's one guy. What's, Charlie which, Kimball. Yeah. What's his That's, name? Kimball, right? Yeah. The no, the nouveau no touch diabetes meter. <laughs> and he's got this is no joke. He's got a little like some kind of a switch, right? That he can go from if he feels the 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 diabetes coming on, he can switch from water to orange juice. Is that right? <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not making that yeah. up. I, I read yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. It's it's true. And, and I've always thought that that sponsorship belonged to NASCAR. To be honest with you, like, <laughs> didn't AJ used to have a switch that would go from water to beer? <laughs> I don't think he even had water back in the day. <laughs> That's when I th- when I saw to get back to where we started from. Maxine Nightingale, Solid Gold, 1977. Uh, to where we started from talking about uh, Mary Holman George, when she made that elbow move there, uh, I was thinking, well, finally, hashtag IndyCar rivals. I mean, we finally, you know, <laughs> finally get some action there. It was like AJ was back for a moment. I don't know. People are talking about how Mary Holman George is obviously like she's lost it. She's got Alzheimer's. I mean, I don't know. To me, it just felt like I was willing to wait. Right, an extra half of a second to let this woman say do the most important job she has all year, right? The job that was handed down to her from her 
grandfather, or is it, is there, was it a grandfather and mother, or is it mother and father? Uh, she would be, that's, isn't that still Tony's daughter, Tony Holman's? Yeah, it seems like, yeah, her right. mother had the job, Tony first, then the mom, and then now her. And I, I don't know, I thought that was presumptuous of her daughter to jump in there and and cut her off. Well, especially here we are talking about, uh, you know, Jim uh, neighbors, Jim neighbors, Jim neighbors, you know, the pageantry, you know, every uh, part of the draw of this event is the theatrics and the uh, and the pageantry and the pace, if you will, of the beginning of which is a little bit old fashioned. This isn't we're not, uh, you know, we're, are we in that much of a hurry for that, too? Well, you know, I think uh, there's Mary, a little uh, bit of, uh, Mary, if you could keep it under 10 seconds when you get out there, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it is when, uh, when... We've lost them, Mary. Come on, <laughs> tighten it up. <laughs> Next year, we're going to do the Indy 300. 500 is just <laughs> too long. <laughs> too long. There's, I don't know, there's part of it. You know, it's funny because, like, I watch it on TiVo. And or DVR, it's a generic DVR. Yeah, I watched it and on Betamax myself. The I would like I fast forward through a lot of it because you know, besides the commercials, there's sort of a there's a monotony to it going round and round and round and round. But then like something like skids off or crashes or a piece is flying through the air, you're like whoa whoa. <laughs> Finally, and even doing. You know, even doing that, it doesn't diminish, you know, those last 20 laps and just, you know, how how much emotion it, is built up. You know, these guys, look at my little Marco, you know, he's third generation. Every day of his life, he just sits around thinking about, like, one day I'm going to win this. One day it's going to be mine. One day I'm going to break the curse. And, you know... Here's another year of preparation and cars on track and 500 miles go by and he doesn't do it. And you got to wonder, you know, it's a, it's a window. How long will that window be open for him or any other driver? And that's, that's what I, I love about this race more than any other is that to win it makes you a legend. And then you have so much time to sit and wait to try again. Like, I I was hoping that Elliot would win his fourth, just like I hoped last year, and it came so close. But, you know, 15 I, years. I love it, right? 15 years won, yeah. uh, waited. Three times he's done it, two times he's won it. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, that's a very efficient driver. So far, yeah. Good record. He's, uh, I guess one of the other, one of the drivers, just think if he played baseball. Really, yeah, two World Series <laughs> yeah, out, right. of, out of three seasons. <laughs> exactly. One of the drivers, uh, Simon Pagino, they were talking about this yesterday during the pre, pre-race. He doesn't know how to pronounce Juan Pablo's name, so he's been calling him Ron Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> That's his radio name. So, big congratulations to Ron Pablo. <laughs> well, you know, of course, I'm biased. I like Ron Pablo because he, you know, da- he just dabbles in anything. He he does many formats. He's AM, he's FM, he's music, he's talk, 
He's weather. He's traffic. He's F1. He's ovals. He's NASCAR. He's NASCAR. Yep. He's versatile. You know, he's, uh, He's old. The versatile drivers are rare, Paul. They're, they're once in a generation. It's AJ Foyt, Tony Stewart, Juan Pablo Montoya. He's old and so. he's versatile. So I, I really feel... You're in rarefied air. <laughs> I try to draft whenever possible, but sometimes it's getting harder and harder to breathe. Speaking of your versatility, uh, you know, I have seen you a lot more lately than I have in the past. Tom is our producer. Tom is our producer on 107.9 WNTR in the morning on uh, the morning mix with KJ and Paul. I play the part of Paul and uh, Tom plays the part of the producer when he isn't listening to IndyCar in uh, queue at WLW where he's a news anchor reporter. So we've got very little time to actually sit and talk these days. So what I've what I miss about our time at, at other jobs that we've had in the past is that we sort of, that was over within two hours. We started, it was over. Then we'd have these long breaks between uh, the cut-ins for Good Morning America, mm-hmm. where we'd had some time to sort of recap, talk, think ahead, plan, whereas this job now, I'm really not even in the same room as you. i take it personally i try not to but i do and plus (laughs) your your uh you know your schedule is crazy you're driving almost uh i guess you drive an indy 500 about every two days right yeah so i get up in my i get up in mayberry at two o'clock in the morning and make my way to indianapolis no wonder you're no wonder you're so in love with that gomer I, uh, I, I, uh, I work with you till about nine or 10, head down to Cincinnati where I read the news on WLW and then I get home, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock crash and get back on the wagon the next morning. Hey. <laughs> I'd be off the wagon by now if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> and what do the kids call you? I mean, clearly it's not like daddy anymore. So do they just call you oh. like Uncle Tom? No, they don't even at this point. Like they've they've taken up other hobbies. They repl- <laughs> my my son has replaced me with his iPad or my, my wife's iPad. He just sits there and he watches these construction videos constantly over and over again. Just people digging holes. <laughs> Boy, didn't you just invite him along on your work day? Uh, and my my daughter has uh, all these. She's a couple years older than him, so she's she's involved with like dance. Like this morning, we had to go to one of her uh, dance rehearsals, dance recitals, and that was great to see my daughter and see how she's been progressing since becoming you know, since starting dance as a. As a four-year-old, and <laughs> we had two the, boys. We never, we never went through dance class, so that would be a whole new thing for us. Well, the, the only problem is, is that like there are other girls, and you like we had to set through. I don't know, Paul. Maybe twenty-five performances, <laughs> twenty-five different groups of girls. <laughs> 
You can't just like get up and walk out. Oh my gosh! Oh my kids done. See ya. You are bringing back a memory of when I think both boys did piano recitals. They both uh, did lessons for a while. They're both pretty good at it. Uh, but same thing. You when you go to the recital, guess what? <laughs> it's everyone else is going to be playing too. <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like, boy. I don't, you know, I'm really not interested, but I don't want to be that guy who gets out his phone and starts, you know, looking through his phone. They were nice enough to watch my kids, so I got to be nice enough to watch their kids. Oh, it's mutual assured destruction. Yeah, you have to. And then, of course, there's always like the awkward kids who are not really, you know, you think to yourself, like, I guess the parents must have been pushing them to do this <laughs> because they are obviously not into it. Do you have a list of those that you could read out loud to us? <laughs> <laughs> are these but, are these pleasant memories that the uh, that you think the kids will actually that your son or well, not your son in this case, but your daughter will remember later? I think so. I mean, there are moments where like. You know, my my wife is not really one of those people who's ever been, you know, on front in front of a microphone or a camera or even a crowd of people. Um, so she says something to my daughter right before the uh, right before the show is about to start. Um, we we didn't see I mean, these are very small groups of kids, and it was Memorial Day weekend, so there are even less people there that are supposed to be there. And my wife says to my daughter, "Well." I don't see anybody else in your class. You'll probably have to dance by yourself. And like this, like you could just see the panic running through my daughter's brain and then out her eyeballs. I wish you could see the Billy Idol song running through my brain. But please continue. I, I, I was like, you know, that as someone who has been nervous before things that happen in front of people, you know, I kind of scoop my daughter up, and I'm like, oh, don't worry. Your class is going to be here, and you know your moves. You're going to be just fine. My wife it didn't compute for my wife that, like, this was probably a bad thing to sort of stack the deck against our daughter before the, uh, before the show starts. You mean telling, you know? telling her it would be fine was a bad move? No, but my, my wife telling her that she would have to dance by herself. Oh, okay. But you, know, you as the performer were able to go in there and, and actually help here. Yeah. You know, and then my wife kind of got mad at me. She sort of resented my, you know, my thoughts behind this. Oh, I, da, 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 da. but, you know, I stand by my reasoning. I'm, I'm being a good parent right now. Well, I'm like you my know, wife. you've got to, uh, yeah, you've got to, you've got to make those memories. I was, I was uh, out uh, running over the weekend, and okay, I may have been listening to a stream of music from 1973 uh, while I was running, and uh, I was uh, flashing back because it was uh, like this time in 1973, you know, that bit. So it's like late May. It's going into summertime, and I'm thinking, oh, these are all the songs that were on, I can remember being like on the car radio when we took our first trip when you know, Dad had enough vacation time and had enough money to 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 block out the motel sixes for uh, two weeks and we went out west 
at 100 miles an hour. We went, uh, you know, like to Colorado, down Grand Canyon. You know, my dad had several things he was checking off. What we did not know at that time were uh, like a bucket list. I guess he had his own internal bucket list of things he wanted to see just in case this was the only trip he ever got to take across this great country. So, so it was Colorado, Grand Canyon. We went down and then we went to LA, you know, we pretty much drove through LA and then up to, you know, a little, little bit of San Francisco, the big forest, Redwood forest on up to the Northwest corner of uh, this great country, Walla Walla, Washington, then back around through, you know, uh, Montana and the, uh, the Dakotas in two weeks time, <laughs> mind you, uh, oh my god but it's such a great and then we ended up taking you know like a vacation every year after that they got a little more leisurely as uh, time went on but i have such uh happy memories of that that's like some of the best memories that i have of of like my mom and dad and you know family time were those trips and so we did a lot of that too in the years that the uh, boys were younger and uh, me and Mrs. P were just talking the other day. We're not quite sure if <laughs> if they have as fond of memories of it as we do. <laughs> but the important thing is we have, I guess, fond memories. But maybe, you know, someday they'll be listening to some, uh, uh, they'll be listening to Steal My Sunshine by Lynn, I don't know, from the late 90s. And they'll think, oh, that was the, the year we went to... Uh, you know, Durango, and uh, it'll bring back a happy memory. So what I'm asking you, Tom, is, uh, you know, are you are, are you putting down those roots? Is that will will uh, little Tommy the, the, the fourth hear my love by Paul McCartney and uh, have a happy memory associated with it uh, someday? I hope so. I mean, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to build this atmosphere of of. Um, family time but not just sort of not always having to do something you know i i don't like the fact that like we're only together when like there's something that has to be done yeah that's true i mean that's the other end of it uh you don't have to even if you aren't going to see the grand canyon or i mean you can see the grand canyon you could see it in the world book encyclopedia back then but you know now you could look it up online i mean it's who you're seeing it with yeah, and you know this. By the way, this is revealing a lot about you. Now I understand why there's really no urgency on your part to go anywhere or do anything except sit around and work. Like you've already seen it all. <laughs> oh, in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I do feel as if I've seen it all. Oh no, that's that's. I'm coming around for the third wave of that. There was when I was a kid, we did a lot of traveling. My dad loved. Well, my dad just loved to go. He should have gotten a sponsor and just gone to Indy uh, because he just was permanently wired hot. Uh, he had that you know that bouncing uh, leg whenever he would sit down. <laughs> like he had one leg that would never stop bouncing. So I had the I got the first wave with him, and then we did a lot of traveling for a while. About the time like I was at uh, Channel Six, and the kids were uh, growing up, and you know they gave you like five weeks of vacation a year there. I mean it was crazy. Uh, and now the third wave beckons. It's about thirteen years away. Well. Or or two, too. It's like since we... or one. <laughs> Who knows? Since we last spoke in this format, you have become a grandfather, which was one of my favorite jokes. 
<laughs> that I no longer get to use. What's that? That I used to well, I used to call you Grandpa Poteet. <laughs> I used to ask you if Graham had had a kid yet, and lo and behold, he went off and did it. Now, <laughs> I know. Now what am I going to scare you with? Hey, yeah, I don't know. I'm still here. I'm a grandfather. I'm still here through modern technology, space age polymers, a team of no, uh, no. specialists. No, since we've got this extra time that we wouldn't have with conventional radio, tell me, be honest with me. You were nervous about becoming a grandfather and the title of grandfather, weren't you? <laughs> you know what? Uh, before it happened, I thought, oh, that's, you know, slightly depressing. Not for them. Obviously, it's great news for them. But but then, you know, after I found out, I found out that I also didn't care. I mean, I was I was more happy for them. You know, I guess the novelty of it being scary kind of wore off quickly. You know, that's funny. I had the same thing happen when I found out I was going to have a girl. Um, I was, you know, I grew up in a house with three guys. It was me, my dad, my brother, and, um, my, my dad's life partner, uh, James, you know, (laughs) of course we all called, called him Jim for short, especially, (laughs) especially the neighbors. Well, once a year around Memorial Day, he'd leave for about three or four days, and then he would just come back, you know, and we'd go back to life as it was. He would tell, go back to gardening. He would tell all these cracking stories about Florence and Mary and Tony and a guy named Tom with a big, deep voice. Well, you know, growing up, there were no, there were no girls. You know, we I knew nothing about girls, so when I, when I found <laughs> other than your mom, pregnant. your mom, an occasional I, character in the. Uh... But but you know, I mean, she doesn't. I don't want to say she doesn't count, but when you're a you're a a kid, you don't think about the mother as a female. She was a girl at one point, and then you know, then she went through the change. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, has your mom you signed off on all? Of your, has your mom signed off on all your topics? <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, I had this hang-up about having a little girl. I just figured like it would be more familiar and I would be better suited and better prepared to have a little boy. And this is, this is going to sound crazy, but one night after I found out my wife was pregnant, like I had this dream. And in this dream, there was like this little girl playing and... She was just this dark-haired little girl. I mean, I didn't really see any detail on her face. It's not like she, like, she looked like my daughter. And, you know, nothing like that. Just a girl. And she just kind of looked up at me. She's like, hi, Daddy. And, like, even in my sleep, like, my brain was, it was, it was just my, it was like my heart cracked open. <laughs> and in the, the gut, that gooey caramel center, like, it went right to it. And from that moment on, I was totally okay with having a girl. And, in fact, we did have a girl. for You know, that was our firstborn. So, you know. And she is I mean, now, think, f- for anyone scoring at home, she's, what is she, like six, five? She's five years old. Five years old. And then and your son is, because you know you're Catholic, so your son is like three and a half, right? 
That's right. And, um, but, you know, I got fixed before I became a Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) That could could have uh, maybe uh, complicated things. Well, I asked. asked, uh, You do have uh, great rhythm. (laughs) Hell of a dancer. Well, I asked my priest. That's what James tells me. You know, would that be a deal breaker? You know, about halfway through the process, because, you know, becoming a Catholic is not like, it's not like joining the Baptist church where, like, you just sort of show up a couple of weeks in a row, boom, <laughs> you're in the Baptist church, you know. So you this say. This was, well, no, I, I grew up in the Baptist church, I know. Hmm. Oh, so, so you've, got, you've got Baptist immunity. <laughs> oh, I grew up in the Baptist church, I was baptized as a Methodist. <laughs> no, I'm Catholic. So, so when you do you know, when you do the Friars Club, you can make all kinds of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Baptist, a Methodist, and a Catholic walk into a bar. Well, at well, least at least one of them does. But seriously, please continue. My priest says that you don't have to get that. The, the church does not require you to get that undone. Um, but if you if you want to. We, you know, we'll support you. I'm like, well, tell you what, what's done is done, and that was kind of a painful thing, so we'll just leave it the way it is. It was not, was it? Oh, my goodness. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, I don't know. First of all, let's face it. You're dead from the neck down anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if it's like well, just my heart. the Viagra or if it's the, you know, the alcoholism. But for whatever reason, like, you're just dead from the neck down. You don't feel anything. <laughs> I, on the other hand, feel everything. I'm a sensitive little flower. I'm, I am delicate, and I need to be taken care of. Back delicately. Again. Yeah. <laughs> and that lady who gave me that vasectomy, I don't know, she, she tore me up. <laughs> There's very little that they're doing. It's just like those two macaroni tubes, right? Oh, I mean, are you kidding me? You need to grow a a pair. You need to grow a pair and then have a pair snipped. There's a room full of people. There's a room full of strangers looking at you spread eagle on a bed. (laughs) And they're all like, oh, that looks good. She's like, oh, you've got great tubes. I'm like, (laughs) okay. And you've got some great pipes, too. That's why your voice is so pleasant on the radio. Oh. So I yeah look I'm not going I'm not going through that again. It, it is what it is. I guess I'll just have I'll just have to just sin when I have sex. <laughs> but that that adds to your enjoyment, doesn't it? <laughs> you know the the Catholic thing. I've got a lot of questions about it from my family. So yeah, when we and, from the time that we did our first uh, series of uh, of Paul and Tom shows, uh, you it affected you so much that experience that you went out and <laughs> you quit me and joined the Catholic Church. <laughs> well, I mean, you're terrible. <laughs> I had to, I had to take refuge somewhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hurt you. So. I got this notion, you know, a while back, uh, just, I don't know. I really don't want to go into the whole thing, but um, I've always been in church on some level and then kind of fell out of the uh, out of the loop, so to speak, for 
pretty far out of the loop. Mm-hmm. And then now I've come full circle and well, you I've work joined. A, uh, you work in a business populated with broken heathens. <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with it. You know, and I am. Well, I'm one of. I'm one of those broken heathens. I really am. I mean, it's 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 a bit an eye opener, Paul, to realize just how terrible I am. <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> I mean, and then also like there there's so many there's so many things to, to like wrap your head around like going to like going to confession. Like the first time I did that, that was. I mean. Here I am in, the, in a tiny little room with this guy, and he is hearing all of my dirty little secrets. <laughs> How specific is that? <laughs> Dear Penthouse. Uh, and, and he's like, uh, so we, I talk, and we blah, 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 blah. And he says, <laughs> well, you know, this is, I'm like, so what am I on the scale of weird here? Where am I? A 10, an 8? He's like, eh, you know, you're about average. He's like, trust me, I hear a lot of stuff. So, you know, I walked out of there. I felt better. And, hey, look, I keep going back. So and I like you, it. It's different. You, so you're new to that, but you're not new to your uh, your other your other radio job in Cincinnati. You've had, I was just thinking, didn't, the first time I heard you was like on a race day. Uh, must have been like three, four years ago. Uh, it was four years um, in April. Oh, in April. Okay. So, yeah. Well, maybe so I didn't get around. I didn't, I didn't get around to listening to you maybe for a few weeks, but the uh, yeah, Cincinnati's Cincinnati's fun. It's a different animal for sure. There's, um, well, I mean, I work with guys that are like, what well, you know, within the radio industry, you would say that they're legendary. Whether mm-hmm. it's Jim Scott or Mike McConnell or or Bill Cunningham, and you know, we'll take Bill Cunningham for instance. Now, you anybody anybody who, listening could see him because he's on a syndicated TV show. Also, I think maybe Fifty Nine runs that here, or Channel Four, one of them runs it. He's got a local. He's got a local daily show on LW. He's got an evening Sunday evening nationally syndicated radio show, and he's got a. TV show that's on in 64 of the, the major markets. It doesn't do very well in Cincinnati, but for some reason, it does really well in like New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles, you know, where it really matters. So, you know, here's a guy who's making millions and millions of dollars a year. And I, I look at him as, as simply uh, two things, as, as an inspiration and as a blueprint, like this guy is in, he's either 68 or 69 years old, and he's working harder than he ever has before. You know, the lesson is that there is no time limit. And as long as you persevere and you work as hard as you possibly can, I mean, it's going to come to you eventually. And that's, that's the reason I like being down in Cincinnati. Well, uh, yeah, there's no time limit unless you're in the Holman George family. And then, you know, <laughs> you got like five seconds. Really, it's the 33 drivers that are in the race? 
not you. Slow down. Now stay tuned. Stay tuned. Paul Poteet and Tom Davis.